0: Hello ninjas and ninjas, welcome to another episode of the Exposure Ninja Digital Marketing Podcast. This podcast is all about helping you to generate more leads and sales through your website. My name is Tim Cameron Kitchen, head ninja at Exposure Ninja and best-selling digital marketing author. In this episode, I'm joined by Paul Cortman and we're talking about Paul's take on the skyscraper technique. The skyscraper technique is a method of generating links to your website, which helps its ranking in Google and means that you can get some more traffic. So Paul talks us through his approach with the skyscraper, and we go step-by-step through how you can apply this for your website. Remember, if you want a free SEO review, where we take a look at your website, where your site's ranking, what you can be doing to increase your ranking on Google, then head over to ExposureNinja.com forward slash review. That's ExposureNinja.com forward slash review. This review is freaking awesome. One of our expert marketing team will spend 20 minutes going through your site, produce a video for you, showing you the areas that you can improve, your ranking and your visibility and your sales, and they'll send this video review over to you within two to three working days. It's really, really genuinely awesome. Check out the reviews on Facebook. It's had over 200 five-star reviews. So head over to ExposureNinja.com forward slash review. Once you've done that, enjoy the show. Well, Paul, welcome to the show. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me, Tim. So we're talking about the skyscraper technique today, aren't we? Um, For those who aren't familiar with it, perhaps we could just give a quick overview about exactly what it is and why you think it's so powerful. Well, the founder of the skyscraper technique basically, I mean, his, his name is Brian
1: Dean. He's from backlinko.com. And he, you know, it, it was trying different methods to acquire backlinks to, you know, his website, to other, to his clients' websites and that sort of thing. And he stumbled upon this and then labeled it the skyscraper technique. So it's not magic, it's just, you know, it's a lot of hard and dirty work. We used to say, let us do the dirty work for you because it really is just time-consuming work. So real basically, you go out there, you find an article or a piece of content that is in your target audience or applies to your target audience that has a lot of acquired links already, whether that's social media links or actual backlinks on the web. And that is proof that this is content that applies to your target audience. However, you know, you got to find something wrong with the article or the article isn't perfect or doesn't cover it all or the interface is really terrible or, you know, it's not been updated for six years, which is basically a dinosaur on the Internet. So then you improve upon that, write a brand new article, make it bigger, make it better, make it more user friendly, uh, have a better user interface and then publish that on your own site and then reach out to everybody who linked to that previous article that isn't as good as yours and say, check it out. I've published a better one. That's more up to ma- up to date Has the word ultimate guide in the headline or whatever it is. And then those people, you can either ask them to switch their link, to add a new link or to, you know, blog about your new guide or whatever the article is. And it's, you know, this is where it's not magic. It's debating, it's talking, it's convincing, it's getting somebody to do something. And we as humans, unless we see benefit in it for us, we generally don't do things. And so, oftentimes, we'll have to sweeten the deal in some way, shape, or form. But uh, yeah, we, you know, then we convince people to change their links.
0: Awesome. So we're going to go through in today's episode. We're going to go through the actual process that you go through if you are if you are taking this uh, taking this approach. So. We're basically looking for a really popular piece of content, right? That's got a load of links. And then we try to make something better and get all the links. We're basically trying to steal all the links or get people to link to us, our stuff as well, because they've shown an inclination to links to this other piece. Right?
1: Yeah. And that's just it. Like you had asked why it's so powerful. It's because, well, backlinks are extremely powerful when it comes to search engine optimization. This isn't, we don't get these links because they're high traffic websites. We get these links because every single link that comes back to your website is an authority indicator to Google and Bing and saying, hey, these people know what they're talking about. Uh, And so we find this to be really powerful on generating great content that people love and for, you know, getting that all, I don't know, all desired, you know, position one for your certain keywords uh, in Google that will, you know make your
0: profits just go skyrocketing. So this starts with the content, doesn't it? It starts by identifying the piece of content which is ripe for an update or ripe for a bit more detail. So how do you suggest people go about finding a piece of content which is going to be a suitable target for this?
1: Well, there's a couple of different things. First, I have to take a step back and say, yes, 100% it starts with the content, but it starts with the target target just like you were talking about, about what piece of content out there has, you know, has already shown traction, has already gained, uh, you know, a hundred or more referring domains, et cetera. And we can talk about the difference between referring domains and backlinks as well. But the, the crux of it is you have to take a step back from your business and you have to take a step back from your industry and you have to say, okay, my audience are real humans. Even if you're in a B2B situation, the people who are coming to you, they're workers, they're, you know, owners, whatever, they're, they're humans who happen to represent a business who is buying whatever it is you're selling. So what kind of content really applies to them? Sure, you can make it educational about your software, about your product or about your service, but that, that only goes so far as to people who are already familiar with your product or your industry or, you know, whatever it is that you're serving. But if you want to acquire a lot of backlinks that maybe to a piece of content that your audience finds valuable, but maybe it doesn't specifically talk about your specific niche. So we call this shoulder content. And you really have to get, I mean, like this is a big hang up for a lot of of potential clients and a lot of people when they approach content in general is that they're like, oh, I found this really great article that's super generic and has nothing to do with my target audience, but it's about SEO. And so I'm gonna revamp that for my target audience, which happens to be like general contractors. And I'm gonna say how general contractors need to rank in SEO, what a general contractor needs to do for SEO. And they they pat themselves on the back like, yeah, now my audience really has the definitive guide for general contractors for SEO. And it's like, that's really specific and it's not gonna work. You instead need to say, okay, if my audience is general contractors, what else are they interested in? Well, yeah, I could talk about hammers. I could talk about air guns. I could talk about OSHA safety standards. I could talk about, you know, what are the coolest trends in building code in 2017? Like, spin a positive side on that or something. And so like, you got to take what it is your audience does every day, what it is your audience is working on and what they might be excited about that also you know has a proven track record out there so like on the osha code standards i would start doing searches for osha code articles or you know building code standards or changes in the building codes across the us and find an article that has a good healthy number of backlinks to it and then you can start with that and try to see well would this content apply to my audience or could i tweak it just a little bit to make it more applicable instead of, hey, buy our new nail gun because we know you're a general contractor and you need this nail gun. Like that content just gets old. And so you need to find something that's more, you know, like granted the OSHA or the building codes didn't say anything about what nail guns they need to use. And so it's not directly for your nail gun product, but it is, it applies because it applies to your target audience. So that's one of the big things is to take a step back. Figure out what shoulder content would apply to your audience or or themes would apply to your audience. And then start doing a search for that and find out what are the articles of content that have the most amount of referring domains. And you can use a couple of different tools for that. But uh, Moz.com, Open Site Explorer will give you a glimpse into that by using their domain authority tool. Like that's on the free side, the Open Site Explorer. I don't like that metric. We use ahrefs, so ahrefs.com. Their metrics are much more stable and more indicative of
0: rank within Google, but they're expensive. This is true, and you can also use BuzzSumo, which can give a bit of an indication about pieces of content which are getting a lot of social shares as well can't you and often that will tie into a piece of content that has a lot of social shares will often have a lot of links so that can kind of direct you into into different topics that you might want to check out
1: yeah i'm good it's really bad to be invited on your show and then disagree with you but uh yeah
0: (laughs) no dude that's what you're here for
1: (laughs) Basumo, basumo is fantastic at finding social popularity and viral popularity if you will and it's really fantastic at brainstorming and coming up with good content ideas because you can see what has triggered and resonated with people. But there's a difference between my mom sharing a piece of content and a blogger linking to a piece of content. So we find BuzzSumo to be great for brainstorming and for finding you know social awareness and social authority ideas. But when it comes to actual backlinks, I find that the highest socially shared content does not align well with the most number of backlinks, content with the most number of backlinks. And it's weird, but it's like becoming two different universes online.
0: So that's interesting. I guess one of the things that you mentioned in when you're looking at different types of content and taking a step back out of your business is is just a good content marketing principle in general, which is if you're the nail gun manufacturer, you just don't you don't just have to talk about nail guns. You should be talking about stuff which is you got, you got to kind of think outside your radius, haven't you? And what did your audience actually spend time looking at not five reasons why this is the best nail gun ever, but actually looking at solving their problems or identifying stuff, which is kind of a sticking point for them. And, and that's just a good content marketing principle as well as something which, which can help you identify good targets for the skyscraper technique. Exactly.
1: And the skyscraper technique is just a sliver of the content marketing bubble or or not bubble, but bucket. You know, like, so you you have to look at that bucket and say, what are all the things that I'm doing to market my content? We're going to help reach new audiences through this skyscraper method by improving our rank, by reaching out to other bloggers and introducing people to our brand or your brand. But in the long and short of it, you also need to figure out, okay, people on my email list, people on my social channels, how do I get these, how do I get this really incredible content shared appropriately? So don't think the skyscraper method is all content marketing and all SEO. It's it's a sliver of
0: both. Very true. Okay. So let's say that we've identified an article which has a good number of referring domains and backlinks and it looks to be relevant to our audience, or we can find an angle that's relevant to our audience. How do you go about making that article better? What are the ways that you're looking to improve on that in order to go out to these linkers and say, hey, I've got something which is significantly better. Do you want to link to this instead? Yeah, there's a couple of really,
1: I mean, like I can make some general principles and general statements. And when you start to think through, like it becomes really easy to be like, oh, I just need to do this and this and this every time. And you can improve an article. And it's it's now to the point of where I look at articles and I go, even if they're not you know, like, I'm just reading for pleasure. And I look at these and go, yeah, I could totally kick butt with a skyscraper on this, but I'm not going. to. The thing that you need to add is, well, the ways to improve is readability. Like need, or you could also call this scannability. There needs to be headlines. There needs to be sections. If somebody were to just glance down, could they read bullet points, headlines, sections, and and be able to know exactly the direction the article goes or is it there's a headline at the top and then just paragraph after paragraph after paragraph and it doesn't even say in conclusion or in summary at the bottom it just all the way paragraph to the last period and then that is not scannable and so by making a scannable article a more readable article you're already improving the likelihood that somebody's going to read it and or find value from it because if you're saying i i hate the listicle way of doing things but the seven ways to build a better house or something like that then you've got your seven points in there but you could say something more along the lines of the most fun aspects of 2017's building codes in you know in britain and then you can jump through that in each headline. You don't have to have them numbered. It's just there's a headline of, you know, don't leave a shovel lying around. And then a couple of paragraphs about why that is, you know, that that's now in the building code that no shovels can be lying down on the ground, you know, whatever it is like. So that's one thing is readability. The second thing is images and videos. There are a plethora of images out there for free to use, you know. A lot of them you just need to give link back credit under a Creative Commons license. But there's even more through Unsplash and Pixabay where you can find really high quality images that you don't even need to give credit for. And that just improves the interface and improves the feeling because it breaks up the content, gives people, we're very visual people and so it gives us something to resonate with. Videos are always a value add and there are a ton of videos about any topic out there on YouTube. And it's great because you can embed them and it adds to the value of your content. The other thing that I would add to this is humor. Tongue in cheek, a little bit of sarcasm, whatever you can add to make it funny and enjoyable always improves it. And then the last thing is really expand the content. Uh, We're looking at most articles that rank really well are over 2,000 words long, 3,000 words long sometimes. So that's a really long article. Generally, if you type out a page of content in like Microsoft Word or Google Docs, that's about 500 words. So you're getting up to 2,000 words. You're talking four pages, single space content with no images, just in your in your word processor. And then you know six pages if you're talking about 3,000 words. That's a lot of content. Again, why we need to make it readable so that people can scan it because nobody's going to read all of, well, not everybody is going to read all of that, but then also have good sourced bits in there. Like we find a lot of times there are articles out there, unless they're on, you know, a traditional media outlet like New York Times or The Guardian or something like that, it's not going to have good sourcing. And so then we find bringing in scientific research or statements, and then quoting people and linking back to those sites, that helps give authority to our article on top of the article that was already written. So not not only is it longer, not only is it in more depth, not only is it funny, not only does it have images or videos, but it also has good sourced content that shows, wow, they really researched this, thought this through, and they're leaning, they're, they're standing on shoulders of giants out there and this is good stuff so putting all that together makes a really great article no matter what the topic is
0: obviously one of the reasons that we're making it a better article is because we want to go to the people who are linking to the previous article and say here's something which is is better so i guess we need to give them something quite specific which is a. a good enough reason for them to update their links, such as, oh, this thing you're linking to is out of date, or this thing you're linking to is has some errors in or something like that. So, you know, how how does that guide uh, your work? Are you writing to, you know, in order to make it a more appealing pitch, or are you just purely focusing on, let's just write the best content we possibly can, and then we'll figure out the how we're going to convince people to change their links later on?
1: That is a fun question, and we fell into this on accident, but we actually have our content writing and our outreach team siloed from each other, and it proves to be beneficial because it, it becomes less, well, we have to write it this way because then we'll get more links, and it becomes what's just going to be a really fantastic piece of article that we and the client and you know everybody can be really proud of and so our content team is hugely focused on research on humor on you know writing the best article every time and then what happens is they when they submit it to our team they say here's why it's the best here's why it's better than the previous one so they they actually answer that question after they're done so first they just write the best article ever and then they look back and they say well we did this this and this and this and then our outreach team jumps on that, grabs that, uses that in our email pitches to people saying, this is why the article is better. So it's not, you know, outreach driven content. Like, ooh, if we talk about this, we'll definitely get a better, you know, a better link back. Although we do talk about certain topics. Like anytime you can talk about, well, first of all, avoid politics and avoid religion. Uh, Those are two (laughs) topics that it's very difficult to get links to because it's divisive. And whether people agree with you or not, they're afraid to link to it because they might piss people off. So, you know, you have to avoid adding that into it. Like, But one of the topics that's really popular is anything, what you can do to be green or to save the earth. And so, like, we have a couple of articles out there that we've written about cleaning the ocean or, you know, preventing pollution into the ocean. And those, we snapped up 10 links in our first, you know, two weeks of trying. And my, my hesitation was now the outreach team is saying, Hey, content team, Hey guys, anytime you can write about the environment, go ahead and do that. And so we're kind of leaning that way. Like we try to see, well, you know, is there an environmental pitch to this? So that's, you know, that's as much of the feedback loop is that we give as we kind of talk about what meta trends are working, but for me, it's very difficult because I, as I'm guiding these teams and guiding the writers and the outreach people and and even the target selectors, it's like, I want so bad because like, I'm sorry, I'm from the U.S. I don't live there now, but I'm from there. And we've got this crazy leadership thing going on. I don't know if you've heard of it, <laughs> but uh, it's just awful. And there's so much to write about when you cross environment with U.S. politics and my whole team has said, Paul, that is just a death wish. And so, you know, we're not, we're, we don't do it, but I'm constantly saying, oh, this would just be a really fantastic article for this, this, and this. And my content team is like, no way, we're too smart for this. And my outreach team is like, yes, please don't do that because we could never <laughs> get people to link to that. So, anyways, the, you know, there are meta trends that work like education. Is always a great topic. You know, environmentalism uh, is always a great topic. But uh, and then helping poor. So I don't know what the right term for that. We always just call it helping the poor. But whether that's, you know, in your local environment or, you know, some poor country in Africa or whatever, any of those sorts of topics of how you can give and how you can uh, donate better or whatever, those work really well. But the moment you get into religion or politics, it just tanks really fast.
0: Yeah. Okay. That makes that makes total sense. So let's switch over then to the outreach. You mentioned the outreach team, and, and obviously they're coming back with their, their meta trends of things that they quite like to, to pitch on. You spoke about Ahrefs and how you'd use that to identify the websites that are linking in. What's the process from going, okay, so here's a piece of content, and here are all the links, to then having the contact details for those publications and are you using something like you know pitchbox to do a lot of that outreach, you know, in a in a kind of semi-automated CRM manner, or is this just going through contact forms of these referring domains and just hitting them up and saying, hey, I just found your site and got this content? What's the process there? When we first started out, we tested this
1: methodology on ourselves and on one of our clients. And so it was definitely by hand, very manual process. And you know, we were able to find success by doing it one-off, just like you were talking about, reaching out on contact forms, going to a website. There are a bunch of tools out there. I don't know any of them off the top of my head, and I apologize for that, but there are a bunch of tools out there where you can guess names of people at certain domains, and you can get back information. There's also a couple of databases where you can type in a domain and you can get back an email address for someone at that domain and you start to get you put a process together it can take anywhere from five to ten minutes to find a handful of emails or even just one at each domain well you do that across a hundred referring domains and you're up to anywhere from 500 minutes to a thousand minutes and for those of you who are a little bit slower at doing math that's a Know, almost ten to twenty hours, and uh, that's a lot of time, just for one article, just to find the email addresses. And um we used to do that. When we started this process a year and a half ago, that's what we were doing. And there are definitely tools in place to make it all a whole lot easier and a whole lot faster. They are all very costly. So um, I'll give you I'll, I'll explain that first and say that you can do it manually. You can do it your own way. You can find these people and do the outreach, uh, it is more personal, it is more painful, it takes a lot more time, and, uh, and it isn't as profitable because of that. Like, you can still get the 10 referring domains, but it doesn't, I don't know, you just put, you know, 20 hours into finding those email addresses another 10 into writing all the emails and responding to them a bunch of times. And you know, is it is 10 referring domains worth 30 hours of your time? And do you have that much time to do it all the time? So that's when we said we wanted to be able to scale this. And uh, we use Pitchbox for sure. I'm glad you mentioned it. Not everybody always knows about this. Pitchbox is a fantastic uh, system that is basically for outreach. Like it's designed for outreach. I love Pitchbox and I love the guys who work for Pitchbox and have founded it but they admit that they're not good at marketing. And uh, so um, as a marketer who uses their service, I laugh because there's a bunch of marketers who use their service, but they're not good at marketing themselves. They have built-in integration with Ahrefs and with a couple other big data providers that they can pull the backlinks in for us. So we have our own subscription to Ahrefs that Pitchbox uses to pull that data in and then it actually scours their big data providers for email addresses. And it is amazing. They come back with really great email addresses for every domain, and it takes five minutes for 400 domains. And then we have all of these email addresses for these domains, and we then go through and personalize them and send them. And just to give you an idea, last week, we hit not a goal, but a record for ourselves of sending 10,000 emails in seven days. So we're definitely doing this at scale. And that's why PitchBox and
0: Ahrefs are tools that we cannot live without. Awesome. So yeah, 10,000 emails, if they're all individually researched and sent through contact forms, that is a freaking nightmare. So that sounds like a great workflow. What are you saying in the emails that you're using to reach out to these guys? Well, I have to be fully honest and admit that, I don't know, I mean, I have a team running.
1: And we're split testing everything so i'm sure that you've seen these different versions of emails come into your inbox and if you have you can feel free to hate me some of them have come from my team maybe um (laughs) hopefully the better ones but you know there's the there's the option of like hey i see you write about topic xyz and i was wondering if you'd be interested to linking to my article but I'm not going to give you the link to the article. I'm going to make you hit reply so that, you know, I can tell my boss that I got a good open rate and a good reply rate. And you know, we've tried those. Uh, the thing is that puts more effort on my team because when you do respond to those and say, uh, "Yeah, I want to see the article," then great. Then we send the link to you. But then we have to follow up and say, "Hey, did you read the article? And are you willing to link to it or whatever?" And so. We found that actually being really straightforward and honest with our, you know, our outreaches are the best way to go about it. So we spell out, hey, I wrote this article and it's published over here. And notice that you're linking to this previous article from here. So right there, there's three links that they can click on and see what in the world we're talking about and see their link from their own article to wherever. Then say, I believe that this is a better article for X, Y, and Z purposes. Would you be willing to, and then we list off three options and we just say, Hey, would you be willing to, you know, switch out your old link to this better article or to write another blog post, uh, and link off to this. We actually offer them the third option, which a lot of people bulk at, but I have very good reasons as to why we offer this third option. But where we say, we believe this content is very valuable to your target audience. Would you be willing You know, would you be interested in copying this as a guest post and then just putting a link there that said this was originally posted on with the link back to the original site. And people freak out and they go, oh, duplicated content, that's awful. Hang on here. Google is looking for the scammers and you're providing valuable content to their audience with a link back to the original source. Google looks at that and says, yeah, that's okay. And, and so there's many articles and I can show you all kinds of research that's done about this. Really what it is, is that you as the original content author, Google will see you as the author first and you will always rank better. But the other, well, depending on your domain authority, but the other sites, you know, they would be the ones who could be penalized if they, you know, had, if they kept doing this, if all of their content was scraped content, duplicated content. In this case, it's a one-off, maybe a two-off or whatever for them. You know, it's the second time they've ever copied an article in and it's an entirety. So what we're trying to do is we're trying to say, what value can we provide to them? So with the first, second, and third option, the third option is pretty obvious of like, here's great content that you can give to your audience. And all you have to do is just say it was originally published on and there's your link back credit. The second option is... We write a new blog post or a new article and link back to us. We actually offer to help them do that. We'll submit some content, we'll give them a couple of paragraphs or whatever and help them because hey, for a blogger, for a website owner, creating content is very difficult. It's time consuming and it can cost either money or time. And so the more we can help them, the more likely we are to actually get the link that we're looking for. And then with the first option of hey, can you go back and change it? It's a it's a very interesting request, because in reality, it doesn't take that much time. We just gave you the link to the page on your site with the link in it. And all you have to do is click edit page, swap out the URLs, and you're done. And we've we we've found that between those three responses, or three requests that we asked for, we get about a 30% on each one of those. So the, the quickest, fastest links that we can acquire are those what I like to call the nerdy types who, when we say, hey, can you swap out the links? They know how to do that. They go in, they edit their blog post, they swap out the link, and they let us know that they did that. Those are the ones that take the least amount of handholding, works really well, and happens really fast. Uh, the other ones, it takes a little bit of going back and forth and talking to and helping and encouraging, but they, you know, we're providing value to them. Sometimes we have to sweeten the deal even a little bit more and offer like, We have publishing rights on different websites that aren't, they don't have a good domain authority. They're not, they're just generic websites or whatever. And we can tell people, Hey, we'll publish an article about you over at this website with a link back to yours. So it's not a link circle or anything like that. It's, we are writing content for this website. We happen to link to your website, your website, then links to our client website, and there's no links there's only these two links ever. And um, we use that very rarely, but for some people that is, you know, what's needed to sweeten the deal. So yeah, a lot of it is, the first email is explaining yourself and then saying, we're here to help you and provide value to you because otherwise the question is, what's in it for me? So we try to do the best we can to make sure that there is something in it for them.
0: It's, it's really interesting. and it's, it's great that you get such a good response rate. I mean, I was thinking when you were saying, you need to sweeten the deal sometimes and yeah as as one of the contact emails on explosioninja.com i get probably three or four of these sorts of requests a day saying hey a link into this one post obviously being in digital marketing doesn't help right because everyone's doing this in digital marketing but um, but when when they email and say oh can you switch out this link you know i've written this really useful piece i'm just like dude there's just not enough there for me to do that so I, I was just wondering, have you tried any other forms of incentive or even just saying, hey, you know, what will pay you $30 if you switch out the link? There are a lot of people that just respond with, here's our price. And we refuse to pay The
1: you know, the, <laughs> there's a couple of reasons why, but it's just, it's not, it's not within a good practice to do that. You know, if it was something of where we needed to push something over the edge a little bit, we might. But, you know, I'm talking $5, 10 $15, something like that. Like, hey, we'll throw an Amazon gift card in for 15 bucks or something. And that's because it's going to that individual person, not to the business. And so they're working overtime or, you know, I really shouldn't do this or whatever the case might be. Um, we try to help them out, you know, like if they're just an author and they don't get paid to fix old articles, it's like, hey, if you're going to do this, we'll give you an Amazon gift card or whatever. It's really about knowing your target audience, who they are, and their relationship with that article or with the website. And so the more likely for us to sweeten the deal is, there's a couple of different factors. One, how responsive the person is to us. Like, have we gone back and forth three or four times in a positive light? And then the second is, how important is that link to our article meaning like if it's got a a domain authority or a domain rank is what uh, ahrefs uses a domain rank of you know essentially 50 or above then it's worth our time to figure out how to sweeten the deal you know if they're sitting here at a at a 20 uh, we don't reach anything below i think 15 or 16. But if they're sitting at a 20 it's like eh i'm not gonna pay you any money dude if you're not gonna do this whatever i'll walk away from it so that's how we kind of look at things and um, and try to see what it is. Generally speaking, we don't ever pay for links. And I would encourage nobody to pay for links. The going rate, just to give you an idea, is $120 per year for a link back. So if you're looking at, and here's a fun kind of methodology of saying, well, if I'm acquiring 10 links, 10 referring domains to a given article, That would be thousand two hundred dollars for one year just for those links. That is, I dare say, that's a complete waste of your money, because if somebody is charging for it, that's the way that they're going to get found out, and therefore you will get found out as somebody who buys links. So I just I don't want to get entangled in someone who's selling links.
0: Yeah, yeah. I guess there's a there's a there's a quality implication there as well of someone who's actually selling you know direct link and. They come back and say, "This is my price for switching out that link." There is, they're probably going to be making other quality judgments about their site, which would lead it not to be the sort of site that you'd want to be on anyway. I'm exactly. We spoke in the in the kind of pre intro about how people could turbocharge this and take this to the next level, in particular using influencers. So, how how can people work with influencers to get more links to their content? Influencers is kind of a funny term because I. <laughs> I know a guy who refers to
1: himself as a social media influencer, and that really just means he spends a lot of time gaming systems and putting out content on social media. So, wow, he looks like he has a lot of followers and a lot of engagement. And when you really look into it, like, could he get people to move? Could he influence someone to do something? Not really. He can just get them to write a comment on his Facebook wall. Like, okay, sure. But if you actually have real influencers that, you know, that have an audience behind them, almost like a, an army, if you will, and not army as in numbers, but as army as in, will do what he or she says because they're our captain. That's an influencer to me. So I, you know, if you can get that kind of a person who has an audience like that to then say, go here, look at this article and share it with everybody. We find that influencers works really well on social media because it's it's a low barrier to take action. Like click a link, click share. Wow, that was really easy. Click a link, write a comment. Super easy. Okay, now let's have an influencer tell people to blog about this. Well, okay. Click a link, read an article, now sit for three hours writing an article in response to that article. Not as easy not as fast. So, you know, for our purposes, it's a challenging thing. But if you can find the influencer just by people reading articles that are really fantastic, that are guides, that are all inclusive, whatever, when they read them natively, they want to share it. Natively, they want to do something about it. And so, you know, and or they want to put that content on their website or help their readers see it or whatever. And so oftentimes we will put, hey, influencer, can you share this with your audience, but tell them to, you know, tell them specifically to share it with their audience because this is extremely valuable content that they can receive value from by sharing it with their audience. And so it's it's more of you really have to have a deep relationship with this person because you're not just saying, hey, blog about this or, hey, swap out a link. You're saying, share it. But then tell your followers to share it as well. This works really well because for the effort that we put in on one influencer, depending on their army, we can get, you know, 30, 40 referring domains of people that we've never talked to, that we have no idea who they are. We're just constantly running, you know, link scans and we see these domains start popping up and we know they must be in, you know, influencer XYZ's army because You know, they write about child health care or whatever the topic is that this is an influencer in. And um, so, you know, we're able to track it back to our efforts. But, you know, we never talked to that person in the first place. So, yeah, that if you have those sorts of relationships with people who have armies, notice I'm not using the word influencer because it's not, it doesn't mean what it's supposed to mean anymore. But if you have people, if you can establish relationships with people who have those sorts of armies, use them infrequently but use them for one of these skyscraper articles and you'll not just get 10 referring domains you'll get 30 or 40 or who knows how many we've seen that really dramatically change things and it has to be the right article and it has to be the right audience so this is, doesn't always apply for every skyscraper article but
0: if you can it's really beneficial that that's, that's really interesting kind of minor viral growth isn't it by by I think influencers a term a bit like entrepreneur, isn't it right. If you label yourself an influencer, then you're not. It's horrendously <laughs> know, butchered. Um, yes. It, you mentioned kind of getting multiple links there and you, you talked about getting, you know, 40 referring domains and then 10 earlier by doing it the, the kind of the, the regular way, how many links should people be thinking about? Obviously this is building links at a more strategic level than just going out and getting them one at a time. So, you know, how many links is enough? I know that's the question that, that everybody always asks, right?
1: and the, my fun question to this is kind of it's not it's not a number for sure it's more trajectory is my answer so how many links is enough keep a good trajectory make a trajectory and start it going so what we do for our clients specifically cuz this is our focus of our business and how we how we help our clients we say we're going to write you know an article a week or an article a month or an article a quarter however however much they can afford. And then we're going to acquire 10 referring domains for those. And talk about referring domains in just a second here. But then what happens is over the course of six months, you added 60 referring domains if you're doing it on a monthly basis. That's fantastic. But what's more fantastic is Google seeing that growth chart of your referring domains. 10 is not a big number. Most websites out there have most websites of small business owners have anywhere from 20 to 120 referring domains. And so by adding 10 referring domains, you're, you're increasing it by, you know, maybe 10% or something, which is, is good, but it's not like stellar. Like you think of, well, when Brian Dean wrote it, he got 200 links to his article and it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not common. And you know, repeatable for the rest of us normal men or normal humans. So what can we do to, to use that for our our benefit? And really what it is, is if Google sees a big spike of 200 referring domains coming into your site where you had none before, very little, and you tripled your number of referring domains in less than a couple of days or less than a week, then Google will actually penalize you, take you out of the search index for a bit to verify that you don't have spam or malware or some wonky thing going on on your site. I've seen this happen numbers of times where something goes viral, you know, gets tons of articles written about it and it is not found in the search index anywhere for a while. And then suddenly it comes back in because Google trusts it. So this is the unnatural method that you want to avoid. However, We, you know, we've come to realize that typically we target articles that have 100 referring domains with a goal of getting 10% of those. Originally, we were just talking about 10% and now we found that 10 is the magic number that if you can get 10 referring domains to an article, every time you publish a skyscraper article, you're going to see your trajectory moving in a positive direction and Google will reward you for that. The nice part about this method is it's not all 10 links drop on one day. Uh, Everybody's different. They're coming from all over the world or all over, you know, different class C networks and such. And so, like, it's not traceable. Google can't figure it all out, you know, whatever. It's just natural link building. And Google then rewards the fact that you're heading in a positive direction. You keep building those links. So if you were to do it once, sure, you have some benefit it's not as good as if you were to do it six times in a row and get that trajectory. The problem with trajectory is if you stop, then suddenly it starts to plateau or flatline and then your rewards won't be as great because Google is like, well, they were good for a while, but now no one's talking about them. So you always want to keep that trajectory going. And then I'll take a moment just real quick to talk the difference between backlinks and referring domains. On a website, I put a backlink in the, the footer. So now on every page on my website, which is about 400 pages, there is a link to, you know, say xyz.com. That is 400 backlinks from one referring domain. So you can see how backlinks aren't as powerful as referring domain. Some people use those interchangeably, but I'm, you know, kind of on a mission to help everybody in the world understand that they're different that getting a bunch of links from one website is not as powerful as getting multiple links from different domains or different websites. That is significantly more powerful. So I would urge everybody to understand that what we're talking about is 10 backlinks, excuse me, 10 referring domains, not 10 backlinks. And even there, I
0: stumbled on it myself, so. (laughs) Hey, just get both and we'll all be good. (laughs) It sounds good. Um, Yeah. um, so you mentioned there uh, the danger of leaving a footprint, and we've seen previously, you know, link building or link acquisition strategies which have a clear footprint, such as syndicating the same piece of content out to loads of different sites, or uh, leaving blog comments and stuff like that, which can kind of be software driven. Is there a risk, and and, and do you feel that there is any chance that Google could look back at the skyscraper technique and? identify a footprint which allows it to say, do you know what, this is a This is an unnatural way of requiring links and therefore we're going to penalize people that are using this method?
1: Well, in the grand scheme of things, I mean, Google says even asking people to link to you is against their terms of service. And it's like, well, really, that that's not logical. And so, you know, on one hand, I'm like, well, according to Google, we're doing it wrong, but how in the world would they be able to find out and so, you know, the only, the only traceable evidence is the fact that we're using Gmail or Google apps to send out the email. And so if Google broke its own terms of service with us, its audience, its own contract and said, you know, we're going to allow uh, our spam team or our you know, search algorithm team have access to Gmail and Google apps mail, then yeah, sure, that's going to... Find, wow, you know, Paul and his team sent out all of these emails and they're asking the same thing. And now we see links acquired from some of these emails. Hmm. You know, like they'll be able to find it. However, that would take a huge upheaval where Google would actually stop siloing their departments and allow their spam team, their Google search team to have access to Gmail and Google Apps mail data. And that, would be a huge disruption. So in one sense, I can't say no, it's absolutely you know, impossible for this to be found out and connected. Uh, but on the other hand, if you're just looking at Google search and just crawling the web, there is no pattern. There is no rhyme or reason. These are all very natural links that are coming in. What's unnatural is suddenly we went from not having any links to now we're getting 10 links per article but that could just mean that we hired somebody to do outreach now or you know we're actually focusing on content marketing or whatever and so on one hand you know there's nothing traceable about this on the other hand Google can say well you're doing something fishy because you're getting referring domains and it's it, it's Google's prerogative as the mono, monopolistic company that they are when it comes to search that if they determine that hey, you're getting more referring domains than you should, that they can penalize you. However, they they haven't. They've never done those sorts of penalties. They've always tried to figure out what is the correlation, what is the connection, and it, that it's a true abuse. Whereas asking people to link to your really great content is not a true abuse because you're not forcing it, you're not buying it, you're not building content that is pointless you're actually creating really great content that is really valuable and so any manual inspection will say these guys are doing just fine and that's the key that we hang it on is that it has to do with having really great content and then reaching out to people who have already linked to these so you know it's natural for them to link to your article and then that's self-selecting as to who's going to link. So it's not every single article that, or every single website that linked to that previous article now links to yours. It's just, you know, only a 10 of them do. And so uh, it's very natural to see how that comes through. So long and story short, no, I don't think this will ever be able to be caught on and penalized. There would have to be seismic shifts in how Google runs and how the internet approves of Google running. In order for that to happen, which basically means Google's SEO team would have access, or their SEO team, their search team would have access to email, Gmail, and that
0: would go for like a lead balloon. <laughs> That's true. That would not go down well at all. Yeah, I think they've uh, they've got bigger problems to solve. I think with with PBNs and stuff like that, still still managing to have positive impact on ranking. So. I think they've got their work cut out. This, uh, like you say, is going to be very difficult to trace, and it's also a value-based strategy, isn't it? You're you're actually just trying to provide these original articles with better content. So it's not like you know you're not even trying to manipulate results or anything like that. You're you're actually just trying to try, trying to make things more useful. So, Paul, this has been absolutely fascinating, and uh, thank you so much for 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 sharing your insight. Where should people find out a bit more about you?
1: Well, the best place to go is connectsdigitalmarketing.com and that's C-O-N-N-E-X DigitalMarketing.com. We talk all about our services there and you can actually go to the about page and find more about Paul and link off to all my other
0: personal stuff. Paul, thank you so much for joining us and thank you everybody for tuning in. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me.